Today on the Manufacturing Leaders Podcast, I'm here with Jerry Workman, who's uh, an Executive Vice President of Engineering and R&D for Unity Scientific, which is a Massachusetts-based electronics manufacturer. Um, Jerry, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much. I'm well, why don't we start off by, uh, by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming a, a manufacturing leader? All right, basically I've spent uh, about 30 years of a career in, in um, instrumentation exclusively. So starting out with applications work, um, going out in the field, talking to a lot of customers, getting a, a feel for how to do things well and how not to do them well. I worked for multiple companies uh, as chief technology person, uh, application scientist, uh, research scientist, et cetera. And, um, just, just tried to gather and learn continuously over this period of time, go, taking additional courses and looking at manufacturing processes, design processes, engineering, scientific uh, leadership practices, and then trying to implement everything possible that we've learned to make it both a, a good experience for customers and for our own internal people. So I've just spent 30 years uh, in technology and trying to absorb as much as I can and apply as much as I can. That's awesome, and you're using really interesting technology at Unity Scientific, which uh, we can touch on later. What compelled you to become a manufacturing leader? I think that the basic is basic thing is I like to come in to work and see that that the experience for everyone involved is is great, and the way to do that is to eliminate a lot of. Uh, manual interaction with both product, customer, uh, tracking, uh, inventory control, et cetera. The more you automate it, the more you make it easy to use, the more you make the processes better, the more you make uh, take human error out of the equation, the easier it is for everyone. Uh, what happens then is that in a complex system like we're talking about where you have 14 optical elements aligned, uh, in a in a manual environment, it would be almost impossible to get a product like that uh, ready and shipped and uh, have it perform exactly alike from instrument to instrument. So we, we decided to go with something that would be an easy assembly and uh, would then, at the end of the assembly, anything that's missing in terms of the mechanical alignment, we would use software to align the final uh, output of the system. So. Uh, it makes everyone much more happier. In fact, compared to our previous instrumentation, the new the people in manufacturing are excited to come to work, and uh, they know that they're going to produce an identical product every time they work with it. So, uh, the motivation was was really to make everyone's life easier. <laughs> right, and you're referring now to the um, nomination that you submitted for Manufacturing Leaders Awards. Uh, the project that you submitted. Yes. So yes. tell me a little about that. How did you integrate 3D printing into your manufacturing processes? Well, the original design involved so much complexity that we said this is an impossible thing to make uh, on a routine basis with with a standard technical staff. So we said we've got to do something and also the machine parts are very expensive, making them out of aluminum or other materials. So we decided, oh, let's let's use 3D printing where we can modify uh, the design quickly and get prototypes out right away. And so both the prototyping phase and the manufacturing phase 
would be uh, much more easy to easy to implement and everything can be pre-aligned so all the manufacturing floor has to do is drop the pieces in place set up the automated software and the thing is aligned and ready to go very good so if we move away from that project for a second and talk more about your career personally what are some of the major successes that you've achieved whether at unity scientific or with a different company well, if it's possible for me to mention company names, I mean, uh, Perkin Elmer was one company that we developed a Pioneer 1024, which is a diode array instrument that could work in a refinery environment. It had uh, included uh, fiber optic cables that ran over a kilometer and made 32 measurements on gasoline and refinery materials remotely. That was one project also. Um, SMMRs was another project that we did was uh, with another startup company was putting a material on the skin which allowed you to measure metabolites using fluorescence. That was another project. Other projects involved uh, that I've worked with are the automated software that allows you to align instrumentation and make it uh, completely reproducible and, and accurate. Um, at all times. So that that was uh, those are some of the projects I've been involved in as well as instrument design work. Uh, so some of that involves uh, uh, development of algorithms and software and basically AI type or artificial intelligence based material and uh, software design and uh, so those those are most of the the items I've been involved in. Right. How do you think AI is going to influence manufacturing in the future or has influenced manufacturing in the, in the past couple of years? I think AI is the, is the future as well as robotics. And again, some of the, some of the projects I'm working on move toward uh, eliminating all the human error and the, the variability in, in human performance from a day-to-day -day basis. So even though it's a difficult thing to face, I think we're, we're looking at uh, having both simplicity and automation and AI replace replace a lot of human activity in the future. So human activity can then be involved in designing AI and also building robotics and servicing robotic systems, et cetera. I think that's where it's going. Right. What advice would you give to the listeners who are leading manufacturing operations and um, are about to implement AI and robotics or have been doing it for a short time in their in their operations in terms of best practice or, or pitfalls to avoid? Uh, well, the pitfalls to avoid are jumping in before you're ready for it. I think you have to look at the entire process with AI. You're going to have to look at your assembly procedures, uh, the inventory control of material, uh, and making sure everything comes together as, as a single operation. Also, not getting ahead of yourself by, may, uh, by having AI or automation cover too much of the process, but learn from, I think, the human factor to start with and then try to simulate that using uh, higher technology. Right. And we kind of touched on it just now, but what effect will technology have on manufacturing over the next few, few years? And how are you currently leveraging technology to your advantage? Uh, over the next few years, I think, uh, well, technology is moving quickly. I think it'll be uh, adopted by the, the larger, well-funded corporations, and then it will trickle down to the smaller, smaller corporations. But um, 
the 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 major effect is is really I think everything from self checkout in in uh, supermarkets to kiosks in fast food restaurants to uh, uh, manufacturing processes we're going to see uh, uh, more and more of that every day. Right. And what in your business? What key metrics do you keep track of? The key metrics I think are the amount of time required for assembly of, of the complex systems, assembly and alignment, as well as uh, the reliability and performance of those systems in the field. We track that as well as the complexity of doing field repairs and uh, restoring systems in the field. So all of those things are being tracked and the metrics on those are, are being followed in, in terms of, uh, again, making life easier for everyone and more uniform. Tell me a bit about organizational change um, and the time you affected it. I think the, the, the main issue with, with organizational change, what we've done is, is we've, out, we've started to outsource a lot of things that, that we don't need a full-time person uh, in a technical role. So organizationally, I'm, I'm typically used to having a lot of full-time engineering and manufacturing staff. And in this organization, we have decided to outsource a lot of uh, specific work, which, which can include design engineering, manufacturing, uh, process design, and uh, process implementation. So we would bring in outside people, and I think that's the major organizational change is to, to reduce our full-time staff and use uh, expertise uh, periodically as we need them. Okay, and how do you engage and communicate with your senior leadership team? That's been difficult for me, as you might imagine. <laughs> Being sort of the person who, who's been in the, in the engineering team in the laboratory uh, and on the manufacturing floor all the time, I'm not that sensitive to the issues related to accounting and, and making money. I do realize, however, that uh, we have to to compromise the product and we can't make it as ex exactly as perfect as we'd like as well as, as as put all the implementation of all the automation that we would like in place because of, there has to be a return on investment. So the, my, my communication is, is I use a set of scorecards and uh, the scorecards track everything that we're doing in terms of the milestones, dates, and costs. And those are reviewed periodically, so I, I work against a, a set of scorecards for every task and every project. And um, that, that allows me to communicate uh, precisely. Yeah, I imagine a lot of it comes down to demonstrating how, uh, how commercializable is the R&D you're working on. That's right, that's right. Um, it's commercializability, the overall cost, the return. It's a return on innovation as well as the ROI means return on investment, but return on innovation. So that's something that's tracked carefully. Right. Let's talk about the uh, award submission you guys did for our Manufacturing Leaders Awards in Boston in November. Um, I was. It was fascinating to read it and see how you guys implemented 3D printing and in, into your um, operation. Yeah. Yes. Um, I appreciate that. What we do, what we try to look for is is new new opportunities by what is out there in terms of um, you know automation software as well as you know the 3D printing world which will be printing uh, metals fairly soon. 
which will be nicer because uh, we're limited in the materials we can use right now with 3D printing, but 3D printing will someday probably involve almost any material. Uh, so it'll be uh, almost like CNC machine where you can uh, you know, make any design material and use any material. So we're, we're looking forward to seeing where this will go as well as the lowering the cost of uh, 3D manufacturing in the future. Right, very good. So where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement in your organization? There, definitely it's better forecasting <clears throat> because the, the cost of manufacturing relates to the movement of material and inventory control. And uh, without, without uh, appropriate forecasting, it makes it very difficult to work with our vendors for their, the supply of material as well as to schedule personnel for manufacturing. Uh, and so, again, forecasting for, for inventory control and movement of material is probably one of the most important things we could do. Okay. And what is the biggest mistake that you almost made? The biggest mistake I almost made was staying with startup companies. Because one of the the biggest problem with startup companies, which were the well-funded startups, which are new technology companies, is there's usually there's usually a giant elephant in the room that's everyone is missing, either related to the business design or the technology. So you basically ignore the elephants in the room until you run out of money, and then everyone looks for another job. So they're almost designed to fail from the beginning, and uh, I think. The way to get around that would be to do better planning in that whole process. I think generally investors bet on the horse, as they call it, so they, they select a leader, but generally that leader is missing a, a few um, major uh, planning issues related to pulling the technology off. So I, I went back to more established com companies in order to avoid the elephant in the room syndrome. All right, so this is the quick fire round where we're gonna ask you a bunch of questions and you've got 30 seconds to answer each one just to make it extra interesting. On your journey to becoming a manufacturing leader, what was the one thing you felt was holding you back? For manufacturing leader, I think the, the most difficult thing was that people are hes they hesitate to change. They don't wanna change. And they look often at what other people are doing instead of looking at the optimum solution for what they're about to do. So uh, m the, way, the way we operate is we take a look at the entire situation and say, what is the best way to go? What is the customer looking to do? And not what is everyone else doing? What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Don't listen to the, the superficial or what people tell you. Look much more deep, deeply, Some, something more like trust Trust but verify kind of epigram. What's the most influential book you've ever read and why? Well, uh, the most influential book I've ever read is the Bible, of course. But um, the other, other books I read are physics books, chemistry books, and not te technical material. So I'm not that big on literature. Uh, I've, I've read a, a lot of literature, but I've tended to stay with, since a very early age, physics, chemistry, engineering books. <laughs> so I'd have to say that. Cool. What is the one thing about manufacturing that you're most excited about today? 
uh, the, the technology that's available. There are so much off-the-shelf technology that you can literally pick and choose what you want to do in the future and what you would like to implement. Whereas before you had to develop it all yourself, write the basic software algorithms and, this, and do all the software yourself. Now you pick up the pieces like Legos and put them together the way you want to. So it's just an open book for the future for people uh, in manufacturing. Right, and fun one to finish this section. What is your favorite quote and how do you put it into practice? My favorite quote, get, quote is, we shouldn't be afraid of of failure, but in, in, in succeeding in things that don't matter. And my other, that's, uh, my other favorite quote is, uh, uh, one's ideas, no matter how elegant and imaginative are without value unless they work. So those two things I try to live with every day. And by doing that, that means prioritizing the work and then also, um, making sure that you don't sound too elegant on the whiteboard and yet at the end of the day nothing works so i've i've one of the experiences i've had over many years is is seeing too many theoretical people and not enough people who really know how to make what they think work in practice okay i think we went a little bit over 30 seconds there but um <laughs> i'm gonna let that slide so just to wrap it up, what do you think is the the key to optimizing a manufacturing operation? First of all, get get the best people you can, uh, line up uh, the processes, try to scope out all the processes with a flow flow charting, and um, discuss optimization techniques, and keep everything on the table. I, I like to put. You know, we talked about the elephant before, but put the elephant on the table, throw up all the ideas, the problems and the issues and start to address those and peel them away one at a time. And in that, usually with a team environment, you can come up with an optimized solution uh, to every set of problems. So it involves teamwork and also uh, making sure you you lay out all the problems that need to be resolved rather than hiding them or keeping them. Oh, All right. that's kind of it. Very good, Jerry. Thank you uh, very much for doing this interview with us. So uh, Jerry Workman, Executive Vice President of Engineering and R&D for Unity Scientific, which is a Massachusetts-based uh, electronics, uh, electronics manufacturer. Unity Scientific is uh, nominated for uh, an award with a Manufacturing Leaders Award ceremony we're running in Boston later in the year. And uh, I'm personally going to pay close attention to what happened to what happens to that nomination. So Jerry, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much, Amory. Um.